Hi, this is Chi, outdoor fitness coach, and this is Mic Check, a different kind of interview where the mic is placed on me and where I share a part of lifestyle training and lessons with leading a life of writing and adventure. Hello, and welcome to episode 30 with bikepacking with three wonderful guests, Shelly, Sammy, and Ranger Dave. Um, this intro is going to be a little bit longer because I really wanted to give some context to this episode and some backstory regarding bikepacking and in no particular order. So um, about a year ago, I interviewed Brendan Collier in episode seven with um, with the Stagecoach 400. Every spring, the Stagecoach 400 takes off and they're in about the 10th year. And so I wanted to talk to him about the origins of this ride and the route. So if you haven't heard that episode, I do encourage you to go back to episode seven and, and take a listen. Um, and just to go off of that, um, I did my first Stagecoach 400 about 10 years ago, around 2012, 2013. And that's how I kind of kind of got connected with Brendan. I actually knew him before that. And um, he kind of helped nudge me into doing the Stagecoach 400. So this was about 10 years ago, which puts me at about 40. And at the time, you know, I have three children. They were pretty young. And um, I've done really well athletically through most of my life. Um, sports has always come easy. Um, I've never really struggled too much with endurance. I actually like endurance stuff. So um, I was curious about the Stagecoach 400 and really wanted to put myself out there and try something a little bit more challenging. Anyway, um, I think that this Stagecoach really left, um, I hate to say a mark because it's not necessarily a bad thing, but really left a deep root in me because it really pushed my athletic abilities with my my mental limits. I did complete it. I completed it in the five days that... Um, you're supposed to, I think it was five days and like 10 minutes. It was something a little bit more than five days, but they, they, they were able to take me in. And also at the time I had a lot of personal um, struggles with my family, particularly my children. And so this ride really brought a lot of stuff to the surface um, towards the end of the stagecoach 400. I struggled a lot with getting lost and um, broke down a few times. And I think what I learned about myself was it took a lot of the struggles that I was having and just put it really, really close to the surface and really showed me what I was about. Sometimes when you do athletic endeavors and push yourself, the idea is that you know that it's going to be over soon, you know, just one more hour, just 10 more miles. And then I think what I learned about myself was with my own struggles, some things in life, you don't know when it's going to end and you don't know how much more you can give, but you just keep going and you just keep going one, one step, one pedal in front of the other. So the Stagecoach 400 really showed who I was about and um, my ability to dig deep and keep, keep going regardless of whatever was happening physically or emotionally. And it helped me with overcoming a lot of my personal struggles. So it's one of those things like, well, if I could do the stagecoach for 100, I, I can do anything. And then vice versa, I was able to overcome a lot of personal struggles. And then it became to a point where, well, if I could overcome those struggles, I can do anything physical. So there was a lot of um, 
personal, let's say, insights on the Stagecoach 400. So I haven't done the Stagecoach since that time, but I have done other bikepacking, um, particularly Catalina, which which I think is absolutely awesome and amazing. Um, so another part of this um, episode is that it's a mic check. So every 10 episodes, I like to bring somebody on and share an experience about training and the idea and the the lifestyle of an athlete. So I wanted to do something with bikepacking and I wanted to bring a few guests that I thought had a really big depth of their experiences, um, different situations. So I have Ranger Dave, Sammy and Shelly and they they all have have some experience with the stagecoach and in other bikepacking and I love all their stories. They have a lot of insights, they have a lot of um, the good stories and good like intel. So if you're new to bikepacking, you're curious, you'll get some some good information out of it. And if you're an avid bike packer, you will also love to hear the stories and you'll relate to a lot of the the, the things that are said. Um, the first mic check was episode 10 with my children and it kind of relates back to the stagecoach because I had to leave the kids for five days and they were well taken care of there with my their dad and my parents. So I was, I knew they were safe, but I did ask them a little bit about that. And so anyway, if you want to listen to that episode 10, that was, that's a really endearing conversation with the girls. And then episode 20 is with my husband about having a partner that rides and what that looks like and how we balance um, life and training and all that. So without further delay, enjoy this episode 30. And I'll just give you also a small warning. We do have some bad words in here. Sometimes when you're doing these bike packing, things come up. So just some forewarning. And we also talk about issues with your privates and being on the bike for that long. So just wanted to give you guys the heads up. All right. Enjoy my next local legend, episode 30 uh, with bike packing. So I want to start by just introducing everybody a little bit more. So we'll start with Ranger Dave, returning Ranger Dave. Um, if you can just tell everybody what you do uh, and which... Um, I, know, I know the name is deceiving when, when we call him Ranger Dave, but I'm actually a park ranger. Okay. And I've been a park ranger for the last 23, four years um, for the San Diego River Park. Okay. Um, and I, I I do a little bit of everything as as most of you probably listening know they know I help a lot out with bike races and uh, looking after the trails looking after the environment um, making sure that we have nice uh, places to ride in the future and which bike packing for I don't know I don't want to call them races because sometimes they're not races but which are the ones you've been exposed to or have completed? mostly just for me it's been as far as like races and organized events it's been the stagecoach um, uh, and I've done that numerous years well I I, I completed it once and we'll go into that and then, yep. and, then uh, and then went for it a couple other times um, things change over life and get different directions about that so I was first exposed to the bikepacking race type of scene um, through that okay. um, early on. Um, but I've always kind of had the inkling uh, for bikepacking. I've always been a big backpacker. So mm. bikepacking was the the next, you know, convenient step, putting all that stuff on your bike and being able to travel further and further. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's so I, I don't gravitate towards the race, uh, the scenes, um, but, but I do like the, the adventure of bikepacking. Packing and being able to get out and 
and see all the stuff that you couldn't see, you know, by foot or by by car being out there. Okay. Miss Sammy, who yeah. are you? What do you do? And what races have you done? And again, I don't know what to say if it's a race or a ride. By route. A route. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Sammy. I am a software engineer and I do nerdy things <laughs> for a living, which is cool. Um, I attempted the stagecoach twice. I've never actually completed it, which is cool because <laughs> it's an adventure and that really is why you do it. Um, tried the route. That was like my very first racing that we signed up for. Say we like my husband and I do it. Um, it's a people do it normally in one day, but like we had thought we could do it as a bikepacking thing. And wait, say that again. The, it's it's a one day race. Like now, it's like an actual race thing. But like before, the Ruta del Jefe. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, and then <clears throat> I don't. Yeah, we, we just we make a lot of our own routes. Um, mm -hmm. So we've done a lot of our own bikepacking routes. Um, did the spicy ranchita, um, which was an actual route, which was fun because we met people, actually like the organizer of the route along the way. And it was, that was cool. Stayed at Bailey's cabin. <clears throat> Finished that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no issues. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, that's kind of it. I've, I mean, I've done a lot of it. I've How many years have you been bikepacking? Mm -hmm. Since 2020 was like, okay. I think the first, so like three years now. Okay. Yeah, I think I got into Like it. all of COVID. Yeah. Oh, that's a good time. I guess. <laughs> yeah, you get away from people. Maybe that is like the essence of where it started from. <laughs> and then Miss Shelly, uh, what do you do and which routes have you been exposed to, completed, all the above? Um, my name's Shelly and I am a physician assistant in... Uh, mostly urgent care now, um, and have been for 27 years. So, um, it's a profession that lets me play on bikes a lot. And that's been pretty cool. Um, stagecoach several years. In fact, that's where I probably met Ranger Dave. I think so. Yep. 2015, um, was my first attempt at that route. And, started with a buddy and ended up the buddy um, having to leave the route and finishing. And um, I think that sort of hooked me <laughs> going through the trials and tribulations of that route. And then I uh, went back six more times and enjoyed, enjoyed the route differently kind of each time. And, and then several other routes. I've done uh, Tour de los Padres, which is a really nice route, difficult route. Uh, started Baja Divide with um, Lael Wilcox, who's uh, kind of very, very mm -hmm. well-known bikepacker. She and her husband or boyfriend actually at the time um, started that route. And that was in 2017. And most recently did Ranchita Rambler. And that was amazing local route. Um, Ran into the race coordinator that time too, um, and then and then some Arizona riding mm -hmm. AZT and Queens Ransom, and um, have some business to do on the AZT. I think in my future, okay. um, and that you know that 
remains to be seen, but um, there's so many ways, like Sammy was saying, sometimes you make your own route and um, spend the night, figure it out. And it's bikepacking. It doesn't have to be in the race or grand depart fashion, which a lot of us kind of relate to um, because that's sort of when the camaraderie starts a lot of times mm -hmm. and the meeting of people, which is probably my favorite part, but um, it can be any old way, which is accessible for everyone really. Um, so you have a lot of experience in years and in different routes. So what have you learned the most over the last dozen years? Was one one theme that keeps coming up or is there a, a theme that comes up over and over again for you? I think my life is sort of go-go complicated at work and in family and everything. And I feel like bikepacking is very, very simple mm. um, in terms of the goal. It's just, you have your bike, and a route and you go forward. And for me, that's super attractive. And you're a little bit off the grid or as much as you, you would like to be. And uh, for me, that just is very, fills my cup. And um, I think that's what keeps me going back is how simple it is. And the, the, the task is just so simple. There's a lot of complexity that happens yeah, out there. It's simply complex. It's simply complex, which is actually like the really fun part too. But I think just when you say, all I have to do is go from here to here and then everything in between, you know, sort it out. But it's the the, the primary concept. But it comes at you when you're, when you're out there. Right. You're on it's, it's not on the plan. Like it's a lot, it's a lot, not a lot of, there is a lot of forethought into what, you're doing but when you're on the route it everything's happening in emotion yeah i mean you're riding your bike these all these thoughts are going through your head the weather you know that's the simple things that you you don't necessarily focus on in your daily life become very exaggerated um you know, that's my appeal is, is kind of being small in the vastness of it all yeah and, and being there and being in the moment and, and you know and experiencing everything that's coming at you in real time yeah <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 a kind of a weird feeling, and and I think the first time when I when I had done the stagecoach until 2015, after that, it was it was coming down off this immense weird highness, you know, that I that I had, you know, and, and almost a longing for you know being back out there. It was, mm -hmm. it was a constant draw, even though I, after I had stopped, you know, I just I wanted to put myself back in that situation as quickly as possible. And but there was a whole bunch of other stuff that you know went into it that would say. Really, do you want to do that again? <laughs> but after the fact, it 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 becomes very simply clear. Yeah. Do you feel like people who do it are looking for an answer to life, or does it just like um because you guys are like, oh, it helps to to keep things simple? Does it does a certain type of personality um gravitate towards it, or do you notice that you just kind of everyone does it for different reasons and gets there, but does anybody and I found like for me what it's brought out a lot is that internally like you you have a lot of self-talk absolutely no yep. matter what so going through it you won't ever finish a ride if you have negative self-talk so you get to kind of just like find ways to like pump yourself up and like impress yourself like I don't know I mean you just you go do things and you're like like holy shit like I just rode 165 miles in a day. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not doing too hot. <laughs> but I did it. And then I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to ride like a hundred more miles. Like it's, I mean, that's like extreme. That was like, but I mean, through it, like you, you won't ever do that if you're thinking I can't do this or like, I'm like, I'm too tired. I'm too shit. But you just, or if you are tired, you're saying like, I'm tired, but like, I'm doing it. Like, yeah. I can keep going for five more miles. I can keep going for 10 more miles. Like you just like that. That's me is what's so appealing about it. And like, to me, that's what it grows you as a person though. Cause then you're internally, you're, you get rid of kind of a lot of that negative because you won't get places. That's you have a negative. well said. Yeah, that's true. I, I do think a lot of people, I mean, there are different agendas people have when they go into it. I mean, obviously there's, there's people that want to go out. I don't know what, you know, the driving factor behind, you know, each individual is, yeah. but some people like to go out and they want to just do it and, and, and go and go and go and see how fast they can do it. Other people kind of want to more experience the, the route. Some people want to just start it and never finish it. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I think there's a whole gambit of people out there um, that, you know, this this kind of draws uh, into just because it's still pretty rough and, you know, it's you. <laughs> yeah, I know for my my few times that I've done the bike packing. I find it like truth serum where you can't carry um, not even a negative thought, but like things in your life that have been pulling you down. You realize so clearly what is in your life that is purposeful and which is like extra little baggage that you carry around and you're just bikepacking. You have to be as light as possible. And in life, it's almost the same way. Like, I don't need to carry, here we go, the F-bomb, this fucking bag anymore. Why are you holding on to that? And you just kind of let you shed yourself from from some some things. So that's what it helped, like what I found um, as far as the bike packing or just being outside and doing long hikes. You kind of just gets you closer to what's real and what's what's true. So I do want to have some anybody other thoughts. I do want to do some practical stuff like the preparing um you mentioned of how it's simple and then you kind of bounced off of that Dave about um you know you get the better you get prepared the better your experience so um there's so many ways to go after this but yeah go ahead it's part and parcel the process of bike packing is one of the elements to it is before you start to get on there i mean it's the workup you know it's the it's the what do I need? What 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 didn't I need from the last time I was out there? What did what did I forget from the last time I was out there? Um, and then doing the research and then and seeing what's out there and and coming across new things and other hacks that people have done. And so it's all this uh, you know information gathering, which is which is kind of part partially a, a lot of fun for me. I like doing that, like getting on the route and seeing where it's going, and and then you go out and do your recies and. <laughs> see what the course looks like in certain areas you know if you're doing a certain course and you know and you want to you know excel at it. other times it's uh you know this it, i i write everything down i you know i, I, I write mileage um i write the, the food and, and all the stuff i'm drinking i'm a list maker I like to scratch things <laughs> you know i start scratching things off and things get into bags and things get rearranged i love that part of the process though. I think that's my one of my favorite parts of the process too. And leading up to uh, AZT and even Queen's Ransom, I have a computer that really should have x-rays and things like that that I'm reading up, but I'll have <laughs> the route and uh, the distance and topography and, um, and in between patients, I'm saying, okay, 
you know, where, where are we going to get food? Where are we going to get water? How much water are you going to take? Yeah, what's, how much water to the next point? And so it it is sort of, um, there is a planning game that is, there is complexity to that, but it's also really fun part of the process. And, you know, being prepared usually is helpful with success and, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. Usually, usually. It's always nice yeah. to have the things while you're back, like backing. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but that's a really, I think for a lot of people, that's a really fun part of it, studying the route. And do you ever find people not prepared? Do you ever show up and you're like, what were you thinking? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One guy in particular who was strong rider, he had for stagecoach, he had like three cans of beets, like full cans of beets, uh, full things of peanut butter. And, you know, we'd come seven, 8,000 miles over feet of climbing over from Idlewell down to Henshaw. And one of the girls in my groups just sat there and said, you cannot take this one step further. Like eat it tonight or throw it in the trash. <laughs> How are you having all these canned goods, you know? So yeah, sometimes, I mean, that's just sort of over-prepared maybe, but. Um, <laughs> it's like weirdly prepared. Yeah. <laughs> Sammy, I, I think I've seen you or some of your spreadsheets. How do you prepare for your races? I start making spreadsheets sometimes and go, I overanalyze everything. And then I end up saying, fuck it. Like, I just want to get here and here. And I hope this is going to be like, I mean, I, I'll get into way overanalyzation of things and that's not, not a fun place to be. So to me, like making the list sometimes is like way stressful. I'm like, like which pair of like leggings do I want to bring? Like, is it going to be cold? Like, is it worth the extra grams for the 200 or should I bring the 150s? <laughs> and like, that's a stupid question. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. They're the same at that point. Like it's cold. You're not going to be saved. So, right. And what's a couple grams? Like, I don't know. At one point, like I had a thing that I was, I literally was weighing everything. <laughs> Yeah, like myself and like making a sheet and like yeah. seeing, but I don't think that's silly though. No, it's not silly. It's just it's a lot of work. Yeah, and it's a lot of. At some point, you're like, I just want to go. Like at, in the end, it's not really going to make that big of a difference. Like the couple, right. like a pound even is, like you know, just take a bigger shit the day before. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but maybe you should be a little bit warmer if you're gonna decide to stop on top of a mountain well yeah, yeah. i mean all the, but i think that all that has to go into play with it too when I mean, you're doing yeah, all that yeah. stuff and you're looking at where you're going to be and where you think you're going to be on the route at certain times you know you think yeah, temperatures big, yeah temperature is a big big factor so if you're not if you think you're going to be out of that situation then yeah pack rider but you know if you don't if you don't think so i mean that happened to me this year oh I mean, that's i was <laughs> just going to ask you so how did you prepare well tell them Tell people what you were doing and what was the condition. So I did the the, the sideshow stagecoach version, which was uh, reminiscent of the original version we did in 2015, uh, which was going into the desert first from Idaho. Mm -hmm. Clockwise. Uh, clockwise, uh, which I prefer. I actually prefer going into the desert first. Um, so, but as we all know, there was there were storms, you know, every other day. The desert was shit, and and it was, you know, so it was a constant like weeks out looking at the weather and seeing what the weather. <laughs> so you know, you not only need to know what the weather pattern is here, but you need to know what it is in the desert. Mm -hmm. At every so on my weather app, I have all and Idlewild. 
Idlewild, Bonita, you know, all the different areas are mapped out as far as weather is concerned. I'm looking at that constantly. My stagecoach is so cool, though, too. Right. Because <laughs> it goes through all those yeah. different temperate zones. And, they, you know, Park Ranger, I love that. I love going through all that. But, the, I mean, so the weather is a big, was a big aspect this year. And I saw the trail conditions were getting worse. And, and I knew that, you know, we're, we're going right into drainages. You know, and there's nothing that you know, we can flower. It's a wash. It's a it's wash. Supposed to... <laughs> it will be a wash. You know, it was, you know, yeah. and so as much as I, and as much as I, you know, tried to ignore what was, what the elements were doing and try to plan on that, I couldn't. And I was, so I was vacillating between, geez, I, should, do I need to take all this rain gear? Can I get away with it? Where are my gaps in the storm? Am I going to make that? Am I prepared to camp out, you know, at high elevation with, you know, sub-zero temperatures? The answer was no to that one. Yeah. So I didn't pack for that. So I, that dictated my course later on when I started, you know, coming from the desert into the higher elevations and I saw the storms coming. And I mean, I thought I made the right choice, which was deviate from the, you know, I still wanted to to, to make a loop and get back to Idlewild. And so I chose the quickest way back, which is not necessarily the quickest way back or the easiest way back, but it was fun. <laughs> so, I mean, so you have to, I mean, so that was on the fly. And a lot of those decisions were made in the desert. So, I'm, you know, I'm waiting for cell reception <laughs> to check things, you know, and the, you know, the whole uh, vibe of doing that thing is to not plan on anything. I mean, once you, you can do all of these, check the box, you know, I got this, I got this and this and this. And about 15 minutes into it, none of that makes sense anymore. And you're now you're you're in it. And the races asked you, you race for about 15 minutes and then <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and then and then you're on your own and you're making your own decisions and they come very rapidly. You start thinking about stuff and it it, uh, it consumes you, you know, during those trips. And it's as pretty as it is. I mean, I, it it sounds, I don't know, unappealing, but <laughs> It's oddly appealing. It's oddly appealing. So let's say on the stagecoach, because I know you've done the AZT, which is a little different, but with the stagecoach, you have access to um you have a good way for it, Shelly. Um commerce. 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 So you could sleep at a hotel, you can go out to dinner. I mean, I mean, you're not going to, but you have that. Um, is there a point where you rely too much on that? Do you guys feel that? Or do you like, you know what? It's fair game. I'm on a bike. Whatever helps. Like you could have bought yourself a jacket when you got to <laughs> before you got up. Like, is that even an option or? I mean, it's a, I guess that's an option, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's the, the self-sufficiency part starts like in the planning and you're like, you want to have everything with you mm -hmm. um, and you want to feel that you've covered your bases and, and, you know, you're putting yourself into that situation, you know, knowingly and, and smartly enough that, you know, you're not buying these things, you know, last minute. <laughs> okay. I, for me, that would, if I had to elicit, you know, okay, I'll have to, you know, the, the baby diaper rash stuff I had to buy. <laughs> that had to be purchased. It had to be purchased. <laughs> we'll pin that one because I do want to talk about stuff. That stuff comes up. So I was kind of leading towards like self sufficiency, whether it's like taking care of your bike or you know pitching a tent with you know whatever you have. Um, and Shelly, you are a PA. Um, how does that help you with being on route? I'm assuming that that's like a, a nice tool to have that you can take care of yourself or is it not a big thing? Like no, it's a nice tool. 
it's a nice tool. I uh, on our most recent trip, we had one one of the girls ha have an injury, and it really bothered me because I couldn't figure out why it was happening the way it was happening until in reflection when we actually oh. had to get her off the trail and get her to safety and um but it wasn't fitting the uh mold of you know I've been taking care of patients and good at what I do for a long, and you're long time this is exactly yeah, the perfect thing but it this isn't fitting exactly what I'm expecting and we pretty much used all the meds that we had and whatnot anyway so for me I was just like feeling like I let the team down because a lot of times if I'm traveling in a group they'll kind of rely well she knows everything well I I didn't you know I was like I don't know what this is and I don't know what our best move is besides to get you get you off and then in in the long run it was the right thing and what we thought was going on was what was going on okay uh, but I had to um tell myself that it's it's just it's okay not to to know everything and it's okay to you know don't put so much I was kind of putting a lot of pressure on myself yeah. I was feeling like I was letting the team down to not fix her uh, fast. What, what stuff do you bring that I, I don't know if that we can, that I like, you, it's not like you have morphine my, on you, but no, like, my, what tools do you have? Like medical tools? No, my first aid kit is very, very simple. Really? Very lean. Yeah. Tell me yeah, you, because, what's in a first aid because kit. Because for me, there's only a handful of things that you really need. Um, you don't need an advanced first aid kit. Like if, if the shit's hitting a van, you're going to figure a way off. I mean, I, so what's in your first so aid kit? So my first aid kit, I do have a few things that maybe somebody else might not have, but I have uh, like medical super glue. Okay. Um, I have, which, you know, which I think you can probably get on Amazon nowadays, but I use one that I use in practice. Um, and, you know, usually good Coban, which a lot of people call vet tape, which is just like a stretchy tape. That's also available to the common folk. <laughs> um, you know, a little bit of gauze. Um, and what was interesting is I was packing the first aid kit, um, in a lower portion of my bike on this last race. And there was so much water crossings and I had, um, uh, an anti-nausea medication, which dissolves with water and like, all my pills and things like that in it. And we were going through water crossings, like up to my waist and I thought, oh, there's no way this thing's going to hold up. You know, it was in sort of a semi-dry bag and it totally held up. Oh, but, nice. Um, you know, I think there was 27 water crossings on that route. And, and every time I was trying to lift my bike and do things to keep the first aid kit from going through the water. But um, I, I think for the most part, my kit is more simple than the average. You don't have something something to suture? Nope. No, nope. I would say that's pretty because I I would say I carry both the basic things just like that coban and you know basic gauze, mm -hmm. you know something to stop a wound uh, you know what about to clean a wound water water yeah you have water bottle that's all you need yeah. wow yeah, put a bandage on right so I think I think people that don't have medical like background overthink the medical kit which you don't even bring a band aid oh there's probably a few band aids in there okay. Yeah, a couple of band aids. I've never used a band aid. Out what there. about pain meds? Yeah, uh, yeah Tylenol, Tylenol Motrin. Um, and we ended up meeting a guy on the AZT on foot who had some like stronger pain meds, but we were also writing super technical stuff. And so I wanted to only choose from his his uh, cabinet of medicines. Yeah, that I knew my my friend wouldn't get wacky and you know yeah. crash her bike on. So we were dancing with that a little bit, but.
Anyway, when we used all the meds we brought, we decided she needs to get off the mountains. So That's a good yeah. rule. Sammy, what tools do you bring? I kind of know some things that you do that you have that you're confident with yourself with um, being out there either by yourself or long distance or that you've learned. Well, I mean, like I do, I do a lot of meditation, I guess is something that I would say I bring along with me. Like I find writing and breathing meditative. I guess I, I bring a lot of math into like what's left of rides. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Math? Like you? Like, yeah, I mean, because I do, like, I have a background in mathematics. So you figure out, like, I have this many miles yeah. going, this distance is going to take me this long to get there. Yeah, I, I think a lot. Like, if I'm kind of bored, I just do a lot of, like, like I know I have this, yeah, I know this remaining, I know how this far to, like, the next thing. And, like, I, I break a lot of things up too. Like, I think going into the first stage coach, my goal was to be able to ride 50 miles with 3,000 feet. Like, it was just nothing. So I was like breaking everything up into 50 miles. I was like, oh, it's just like 50 miles. And the next thing, like, that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's 50 miles after that. And it's 50 miles after that. And you just like kind of keep jumping like that. So but I don't know other skills. Well, I'm. I mean, just like fixing your bike. I remember Ranger Dave, oh. you were telling me that too. Like you learned how to fix your bike because. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to be at least, uh, I mean, there's no one, no one's going to fix it yeah. for you. Yeah. I don't know. Like I amazingly have never had any mechanicals while riding. All the bikepacking that I've done are like, I've never had any issues. Wow. Except for the one time my bike got stolen. Yeah. Well, really I was sleeping next to it. I mean, Crazy. like huge mechanical. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you tell the story since we're here? People will be like, what is she talking about? So where were you at and what, what route were you doing? Uh, so my husband and I were on a training ride for a stagecoach. So like we live in San Diego, but we never ride through San Diego. So we were like, oh, let's do the whole San Diego portion because we live up in North County. So we rode to Sweetwater uh yes yeah. Water 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 yeah. yeah everybody camps there like there was tons of RVs around so we like we'll go there and then we had like a big loop back because that's kind of what we do we just do big loops which is also why bikepacking is awesome you don't have to go out and back or do mm -hmm. a smaller loop you just do two big rides and make a big loop out of it mm -hmm. um but yeah it was like a weird kind of rainy night and I don't know like we were both testing out our individual things so he had the, a tent and I had a bivy and I don't know, we went to bed. It was a weird stormy night. Like, I don't know, windy, could hear things, couldn't hear things, passed out. I woke up and went to the bathroom and then like came back and realized my bike wasn't there. Like I, I didn't lock it, obviously. There's nothing really to lock it to, but I was sleeping right next to it. Or like it was at my feet of at my feet. Yeah. That is but, such an unfortunate, awful. Yeah. One comment about locking, because I know you got the question. I've never locked my bike on a bike right. packing trip. I've never brought a lock. Yep. Um, I was on the Baja Divide. One of the guys got his bike stolen and it was crazy how it happened. You know, and we're in the middle of Mexico when it happened. And then he had his tracker on his bike and we all went, oh my gosh, let's look when it last pinged because he had his phone and Long and the short is the bike and all, well, the bike and the bags end up in this house that was known for like drug activities. Ew. But then I said, I'm going in. Long and the short is we didn't go in and we waited <laughs> and we were able to recover the bike. Nobody died. 
but we were able to recover the bike, which was so wow. crazy. And so like he good kept Samaritans. riding. He was able to go to the Walmart. We were in the middle of Mexico. I don't even remember exactly the town, but he hitched a ride all the way back to the Walmart on the border, got some fun bags from Walmart, but you know, they weren't revelate bags, but they were a second class. And we, and he loaded up the, he got the frame and the bike back and then um, kept riding and mm. it completed the route. But just as an, as a thing is it's very commonplace because a lot of people ask my bike is with me at all times. It's near me. It's hanging my gear. It's maybe hooking, um, a little tarp over it to cover us if we need more coverage that bike is with you it's never locked like it's just not ever something you think about you know I don't know if you think about it now (laughs) what about the trick now that you can hook your helmet around your front tire I do that yeah Yeah, I do that and even still they got stolen well I didn't I I hadn't done that Um, well so like where we say it, it was like a campground there was tons of like people to take it's an RV campground and, and everybody, bike everybody else had their bikes out. Yeah, like, I was why? like, we weren't the only ones that had bikes. Like, yeah, my, bike my husband's bike was right next to the tent. Like, and his wasn't locked either, but they chose my bike. So, like, our kind of like theory was that I, I had a dark bivy, so maybe it was a apparently yeah. it's like a, a homeless person like came up from the canyon because I used to do it all the time and hadn't happened in eight months. So, so <laughs> just to finish the story, how, what, what did you do? Did you just like, well, crap, I got to get an Uber home. Like what did, how did you, what happened next? No. So you know, yeah, no, Edgar took an Uber home and like, I stayed there and like called the cops, like to file a report and stuff. Oh, wait, he got an Uber home. Yeah. But didn't he have a bike? Came back. <laughs> it's kind of far. <laughs> Oh, so he just said, you guys just abandoned the route. Yeah, we like stopped it. He did that, okay. got the car so we could like. Got it. Okay. I guess we only had to take one bike back. <laughs> well, um, Stuff goes through my mind for sure when I'm out there. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, and it's, it was kind of, that was kind of one of the weirder things about and when I first like did Stagecoach um, and we were tracked you know, and, and yeah, right. you yeah. Have to know where you're at. Yeah. You know, Is that weird? That it's it's weird sometimes because you don't think of that aspect. You think it's, oh, oh, it's safety wise. I turn right? off my tracker sometimes yeah. before I go set up. Yeah. Safety wise, <laughs> you're out there. People are following you on track leaders and things like that. But then you notice that when I did it, there was like an anomaly of, you know, people will watch you and then they will come on and come out and, and you know, and cheer say you on. Hi, yeah. and say hi and cheer you on. But it, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird event when it happens. Mm. Um, because you don't know that you know you're on your own little cool. world, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, hey, hey. "Oh, I saw you on track leader, stalker." Right here. You're right here. Yeah, yeah. Really. <laughs> it's something to think about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's something to think about. It's in the back of your head, but it's 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 just kind of a, a one little weirdness that you know comes along with you know doing something like that. I mean, yes, it's good. You should be tracked. You should be. You know, you should. I, I actually. Uh, much of the chagrin of people who were following me this year, I did not track. Right, I was like, I did not have a spot tracker. A lot of people didn't for the sideshow, right? Yeah, a lot of people didn't, and you know, and uh, it didn't help anybody who was watching me or concerned about me on route. But you know, it actually it, it did a lot for my mental game um, because it, it 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 disconnected another tether in, in a way. It's something something else that I kind of wanted to leave and like this year I had totally planned to you know be with people and socialize and, and that went out the window in the first 15 minutes as well you know I found myself alone a lot and and preferred it 
actually, you know, I, you know, the first couple of years when I, when I started bikepacking, um, I'd want to be with the groups because it was, it was, it was new. It was, you know, I'm in situations where I'm not necessarily comfortable and, um, and I want to be around people. And as I progressed um, through bikepacking, I started taking solo trips from my house, you know, mm. like the Palomar, Jackson, you know, things like that. And I was on my own and, and, and I started preferring that aspect. And so this year, I was like, I'm going to be with people. And then I was like, oh, that's not. Yeah, that didn't go. <laughs> it didn't go, but it wasn't bad. Um, God, there's like three questions. I'm just going to ask them all and then we'll see what happens. I want to ask about the gear and like what you guys bring and like how, what, how that's evolved because you kind of mentioned like what you've, how things have evolved for your riding. And then um, how, I know when I did, my stagecoach like you go to bed and some people sleep a lot some people don't like I wanted to know what your guys's approach to how do you go through the 400 miles in x amount of days or the AZT like sleeping is not an option or optional so um I I, I don't know, I think of you Sammy because I know you were intending to do the 400 in almost two to three days so yeah. what was your strategy to get through the miles and this is just so far so just just keep riding and like yeah so I mean my original the first time I did it my original thought was like I'm gonna ride this far it's gonna take me this long so right say the numbers like oh okay okay. I'm gonna ride I I planned so like the first time I had I had planned to stay in a hotel okay because how far I wanted to ride a put me at Sweetwater which I had a bad experience there, obviously. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so, and like when you're in San Diego, there's really not that many places you can sleep. Like, I I don't know. I don't feel comfortable even riding through half of the places in like downtown San Diego. Absolutely. Yeah, I got you. And especially when you're going through at like 2 a.m. or something like that, because that's the way the timeline sets it. I was like, I'm going to get like a hotel. I'm going to sleep for like two or four. I thought like the way I did it, I thought I could sleep for like four or six hours a night, which was a joke. So, but, so riding from Idlewild to Sweetwater is how many miles? Well, so it was Idlewild to National City. Oh, but it was 165 miles. Okay, that was your that was your intention. Yeah, and you were going to say, and what happened? Um, well, it took me a lot slower than I had intended, which I think always is what happens unless you're like a true racer and you're just like you don't give a fuck about anybody else or you don't stop that much. I say anybody else because I like. That was, I wrote it with Edgar and Mateo and I originally planned, I was planning to go farther, but I ended up, you just like, there's a mental thing with somebody being there that you know, that you don't want to just leave them. And so like, you kind of like, I got hung up, like staying with people longer and stopping more. And so we didn't get into like National City until 2 a.m. So you did make it to National City. Yeah, made it. At two in the morning, yeah. and you did. There's other cities before National City. You didn't yeah. think at like midnight to stop at like well, La I had, or I had decided at Warner Springs that I was going to go to National City, so and that I, was that. I had already like called and gotten a hotel. Oh, room. okay, oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, which is expensive. Like, <laughs> yeah, and how long did you stay there? Did you shower? Yes, the shower was nice. So I was. I started having that year. I started having sitting issues like three hours into the race and that's not normal no okay and you're welcome to say as much as oh yeah want. well that year I definitely I had I had to switch bikes because my bike that I had been training on got stolen so oh. 
Jeez. I play uh, musical bikes with my husband because he amazingly rides the same size bike. I mean, we just have different, obviously, like seat heights and stem lengths. Um, but basically everything is the same, but obviously not because I don't know. I just, it wasn't, I don't think it was set up quite right. I just, I don't know. wasn't ready quite right. I wore like, I've been training in one bib and I wore the same style, same exact model bib, but like a different color, like maybe that. <laughs> also that year it was 110 degrees going through Anza that first day. It was hot. So like you're just sweating places, even though you could sweat. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so you were in pain within three hours and it takes basically, but like, but yeah, but rolling into national city, like I already like couldn't sit on my, I couldn't sit on my bike for, I went on like a whole nother day too, like not sitting on my bike. And so did you sleep? Yeah. You slept? Yeah, I slept. We slept a little bit. Like we took showers, but this shower was, that's the point of the shower. The shower was amazing. <laughs> like a shower when you're just kind of dead tired and yeah. just feeling it like there's showers are nice. And if you can get you a can shower, shut off a lot of things when you're when you're out there. You can convince yourself of a lot of things that aren't, aren't as bad as they are. Yeah. You know, and keep plugging along. Um I think that's the, you know, that's the the, the body's willing, you know, it, it'll do crazy stuff as, as far as far as the mind pushes it, you know, for its own detriment sometimes. <laughs> and I think we've all been through that. There's sitting yeah. issues, and it's usually a common problem. I remember, I think it was again 2015. Uh, one of the guys had like found like some like styrofoam from the beach or something like that, and then duct tape to the seat. I, oh, to get extra padding. <laughs> get extra padding. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So, so you run into things like 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 that. You know? I thought I was pretty impervious to that until this year, and then I found out differently after 107 miles in the desert. Oh yes, yeah, city. <laughs> it, it was pretty deep sand this yeah. year. Yeah, um, yeah, the desert was. And I chose a, a great bike for it. Gravel bike was awesome for the sand. No. no. Okay, I was like, uh, wait, what? Not so much. I could have like, gone for a bigger tire option in the sand this year. It was, I mean, it was fine, but you know, it's in it. It didn't hit me until I stopped. As soon as I stopped and threw my leg off the bike and started walking around, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's something's not right. Something's not right. And, and tomorrow's not going to be fun. And that's when you go to bed with that sometimes. But I was very distracted on that first night by the million stars in the sky. So you, you give, you know, there's, there's, like I say, we always kind of, you kind of, we go down the road of discussing, you know, the bad things, but in, in those, weird little moments or the moments of clarity again yeah you, know, and, and you suddenly realize where you are um and, and you're looking at a million stars you know your butt hurts but <laughs> you're wondering how that's going to go in the morning but you know for me I, I i i i tend to sleep usually very well but i make it a point to i'm not the guy that's going to go out there and kill it I'm, I'm never going to be maybe in the start i thought i was that guy and then i over the years over the decade i was like no i'm not that guy i'm more like i'm I like the exposure. I like being out there. And the longer I'm out there, the better it is. And so, you know, I'll ride until I don't feel like riding anymore. And then time for, you know, shack up, find some, find a place to, you know, lay the head and try to get some sleep. And it's always restless. There's always something going on. <laughs> a lizard or a wind <laughs> or someone flying down the wash at go dark 30 in the morning at 50 miles an hour. 
So Shelly, before we started recording, you were mentioning miles and time. And Sammy, you were telling us about how you like, okay, we're doing this. You had a mental, knew where you were going to go and, and you rode. You just kept yeah. riding until two o'clock in the morning. So that's kind of what I'm, when you were doing the AZT, I know we're switching to different routes. Um, how did you plan from where you were going to go and how long did like, how did you strategize your distance so, and your time? Yeah, this route was kind of interesting in that the first, uh, we, I always do like a plan A, plan B, and there even sometimes is a plan C, and okay. then that helps you kind of understand, um, you know, what, if, if I can get 70 miles to this point, then I can get water, I can get food, I can, you know, okay. complete the route in X amount of time, and that, you know, we, you sort of lay it out, Um and in this particular route, you had to get by sunset through a privately owned ranch. Okay. And that was just the way that the permits laid out for the ride. And just sometimes that's the situation and where you're moving through, where the route takes you. And so if we didn't get there by sunset, you had to stop. And that's kind of what happened to us is we thought for sure we'd get there by sunset. We were like, oh yeah, plan A all day long for the first day. And we did it. And so that immediately... Um, changed kind of the flow. So we, oh, you know, yeah. camped on right at the, basically the property line there and the sun rose, we got moving, but we really had anticipated being able to move okay. uh, well past that. Um, so sometimes those kinds of things play into it. Um, I know this year uh, for uh, Queens Ransom, we, we rode our bikes almost as long as um, our lights were all we have ways to charge our lights while we're moving, but um, it was sort of like, let's just ride until we, we don't have lights anymore. Um, and we were riding very technical single track at night. And so it's, you need lights. It wasn't like a full moon and a fire road. Yeah. So sometimes that yeah, true. how long you go and then plays into, well, how long are you sleeping tonight? Well, the night we stopped before on the private property, you, we, we were like, we're going to bed at nine o'clock. What the that, hell? Yeah. You know, it's not a waste ideal. of time, right? Yeah. We're burning, you know, burning time, but it, it just was the way it was. And if you did get caught on that property, you were DQ'd. So like we knew that wasn't going to oh, be something. We, I like, was going to ask that. Is there mm -hmm. a cheeky way to get around no, that? There was, there was an option and it was to go uh, a very difficult loop through Patagonia and on. And the people that did that, that decided, oh, well, I've got energy, let's keep moving. It really ended up being difficult. So we ended up not not choosing to do that, but yeah, there was a go around. Um, but yeah, yeah. And, and I think for me, a um, couple things I'll say is I'm the opposite of you now. I only want to ride with people. I do yeah. not want to be alone. Okay. I've learned that. Um, I've done a couple of routes alone and um, I've, I just, I definitely have leaned more towards, I want to be a little bit more social and, um, and I don't want to be alone in some of these crazy, yeah. no, like remote places. I just, I, I, I don't. And so that's been fun to learn about myself. And then also being a little more interested in, Hey, if my body says, let's stop, I'm more, I will entertain it versus like push past those limits, which. Um, I mean, I'm, I've proved it to myself many times over that I can push past yeah. the limits I set up and I'm always amazed at the human body. It's amazing, but I'm more leaning on the side of, Hey, if it's time to stop, it's time to stop and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so you want to talk about gear a little bit. I know we can go into a rabbit hole with gear. So, um, are you guys okay with time? Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Um, is there like a weight limit that you guys strive for your bike to be, or, um, or is there certain things that you're, I mean, we can have fun with this conversation. Like you always have, you know, certain things always on your bike. Um, weight wise, I try to, I try to keep at least to about 20 pounds. Your bike or your no, gear? Your gear. Um, okay. Gear total, you know, that's not including water. So is the, but I, and I always try to, and I always try to do that, you know, a little, uh, lighter in front, heavier in back. So it's usually like seven thirteen. That's my ratio that I'm okay. kind of looking for. As far as weight, I've never weighed <laughs> my shit yeah. ever once. I know I've been, I have a nice light bike, never ever done it. Yeah, and um, I agree with kind of the weight in front back, and then um, always uh, now I try to bring um, kind of more minimalist. I've become more of a minimalist because of how heavy things have gotten at certain routes and um, a luxury item is always something you like put in the middle and say at the end am I bringing it and for me it's usually my speaker mm -hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I don't weigh <laughs> yeah yeah just I you know I think well I mean things have changed too as far as like weight concerning how you carry gear you know from even from 2015, you know, to now, and not even 10 years later, I mean, the gear is lighter, um, the bags of, you know, the, just the technology behind bike packing and the bags and what you put on your bike is more efficient, you know, so yeah. all of that stuff has, has changed over the years. From 2015 stagecoach, my bike is 20 pounds lighter. I, yeah. I, I, I'm just telling you, yeah. <laughs> I didn't exactly. weigh it, but that thing <laughs> So many things on it. Like a lawn chair in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All kinds of things. Yeah. yeah. Things strapped on things. And oh, yeah. I might need this and I might need that. And then you, and I had a full suspension bike, which was silly. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, for awesome. me at the time, that was probably bike. awesome. I chose full suspension the next year after going fully rigid the first year. And, I, and it depends on the route itself, too, yes. right? I mean, like the AZT, the tire, yeah, you know, how much tire so. you want. Yeah, yeah, or if you're like just going out, like because there's still bike packing that's not racing, like that are, are fun things where you want to bring like a stove and mm -hmm. like coffee maker, food and yeah. coffee, and you're you're going for more luxury. I guess it's just like luxury, luxury yeah. items at mm -hmm. that point. But mm -hmm. so I assume you overanalyze. So I am assuming you have a spreadsheet and everything weighed out. You mentioned that. So yeah, what is a website like lighter pack? So how, so what do you, how do you plan your gear? Do you weigh it? Do you do it? So I do weigh it, but then I end up just kind of like choosing things that I think are best, like what fits best too. Like a lot of times, like sometimes like the lightest thing is not necessarily the smallest. So maybe mm. something that packs smaller is more important than something that packs lighter. Um, I have, I have, um, an axis dropper so my rear pack mm. is limited there's only like one bag that's made that really fits it and it's like a five or six liter bag so I I try to put as heavy of stuff as I can into it because it's it's silly too because it's it's a powerful dropper like that thing can lift like a lot of weight but because the battery sticks out so much you yeah. can't hook it you can't like cinch it to the seat post really out there but but also I like I made my frame bag for this this go round and how'd you do that I sewed it I know like material <laughs> like how did you you yeah, so 
Yeah, so if you want to make, if you want light bags, you sew it yourself because you just get, there's like Eco Pack, which is a super light, it's like expat, there's expat. Now there's a bunch of expats, but Eco Pack is like a crazy light. And it's, um, it's like environmentally friendly. I think it's recycled uh, material. Eco. There's a lot of material out there. Yeah, you can cool. make packs. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I and, mean, it usually... and like, so yeah, but like, so when you buy something, like sometimes they like line it with things and they double line it, but you just like single line something and do like a couple sets of stitches. Like maybe it won't last for a really long time, but shit, it'll be light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in the frame, so the a triangle, I'm imagining a triangle yeah. with like a zipper or something. And yeah. you, that's where you would put like clothes in your... Yeah, no, actually, I mean, that's where I can, I actually kept that pretty, not empty, but that's where my water goes. So I wanted to always be able to fill up my bladder and fit it in there. Okay. And, and I have broken frame bags, like doing it way too tight in the zipper. So, so I always try to like keep it a little bit lighter, but yeah, I mean, that's where I throw my jacket or I think my... I think my tools are in there. So like, just like, you try to keep, I try to keep heavier things in the frame just cause that's your absolute yeah, yeah, center yeah. of gravity. Yeah, makes sense. Um, anything else with gear that you're like, oh yeah, that's good to have. I'm sure there's like the essentials, the water filter, water filter <laughs> depending, on, depending the on the route. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Stagecoach, you don't need it generally cause you've got water. pretty good access. Yeah. But I've, but I've carried one before. Yeah, I mean, it it it, it is all dependent I've on where you're going you know, and, and how and how you're going to set up. If you're just going out and you know on your own trip into that country or something, then yeah, you may want to you know bring a filter. You also may want to find out where the water is. So yeah. <laughs> um, and I know I keep. I guess the last question I want to ask you guys is about like which ones you you've had to pull out, but. Um, of the race and and why and, and what takes somebody like what it takes to 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 drop out but before I get there um how do you guys prepare besides preparing the gear what's your mode of making sure you're ready on the day of the 400 race or the AZT um to get you there like how many miles do you guys average per week or how do you guys, or do you guys now at the point where you're always kind of semi-prepared and you just have to like up the mileage? Like how does it look now that you guys are, I consider you guys seasoned? Um, Shelly, I know it's a loaded question because I'm your coach. So well, I know I was going to say, I'm going to say, you, you usually bring in the the numbers game, you know, where I'm just like, I'm just, ride my bike do some saddle time where you kind of help me get it like clear in my head about hey make sure you're getting this amount for what your goals are and then of course this year sammy came up with the time in the saddle which we call tits and so we just say all the tits you can get that's the best time in the saddle so commuting to work when i can you know fitting it in um just time in the saddle which translates generally to a successful bikepacking event well, I think that's why I brought up what you guys do for a living, because you guys work at least 40 to 50 hours, if not more a week. So it's not like you know, or. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you have to find ways to. Um, and as your coach, I'm one of my things is that you're on your feet, you're working 12 hours, 10 hour days, 10, 
you know, high intensity helping patients. And so like balancing that out is really important. So I, I like the, the commuting and um, doing all that. I know, well, Ranger Dave, you, you're on your bike a ton already. But, yeah, usually a ton. Um, but this year, I think January, I started ramping things up and, and started putting more mileage in. It wasn't necessarily, it wasn't mileage at like high pace or anything. It was just mileage. It was mm -hmm. just mileage at a simple- it's he didn't want to say it but it is One such tip. a good thing it's like having the saddle so, yeah so it was, it was more of a, a slow methodical you know ramp up ramp up that's know? great so it's, you know it's steady it's, it's even and, you know a lot of people I, I ride with you know it was just like like hey what are you doing oh you don't want to ride with me too fast I'm like no 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 I'm like I'm like, I mean, I'll ride with whatever pace you know I'm, I'm good I mean I mean it's just it's just being out there, you know, repetitive, 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 and, and I don't know how many miles. But usually, it's at least six hundred a month, you know, and those, you know, if not more, leading up to the. But then you're there, and you know, you know that you can do the mileage, um, and I don't even, and, and I don't train, and I know, I know you were out there killing it as far as like big miles are concerned, um, and I was, I think, the biggest mile I had even done mileage before I started that ride was maybe like 80 you know and I knew I was going to push way past that but it was for me it was more of a pacing I know for me I can do 80 at a, at a, at a whopping pace and, and be fine with it you know, yeah just if I can just ease that down then I, I you know you can do 90 100 yeah and I know I can push past that and keep going and, and for, for, so for me it's very pace dependent and controlling that pace and I didn't know it's like two, 2015 was the, was the worst it, it, because I had it in my head, like I had to get to Agua Caliente. You know, that was like the be all end all. And it I, was the be all end all. It, yeah, I mean, it was. You know, get through <laughs> the desert. You know, get to Agua Caliente. That's where your water's at. And you know, and I pushed myself so hard. You know, going through there, that you know, I totally exploded coming out of the desert. You know, the road in. I was. Uh, there was a laser light show going on that night. Other well, races are awesome. Uh, You're like, am I? It was on the hill. I like to see on the chocolate mountains is this laser light shows. And I was like, dude, I'm like, every little pull off was like potential to. I was like, I, I could go right there and sleep. I could go right there and sleep. Uh, and it was just like, no, push, push, push. And I got there and I couldn't even function. I got off the bike. I was like, I got to get in the store and get food. And I walked in there and I was like, I don't even know what to buy. <laughs> You're so out of it. So out of it. I had to walk back out again. <laughs> and then like like sit there for a minute and kind of think about what Take I was doing oh um, and my go back God. and I'm like okay I need this and this and you know and yeah I was in cramp city the whole night every time I turned over I cramped it was amazing <laughs> so pace yeah and then how <laughs> it's pace. how did you prepare um Sammy like with your miles and uh, training um this year I did not prepare as much as I prepared last year like and that could be good or bad, right? I mean, yeah, I, I, and I, yeah, I can't really decide which, which is better or worse because I was prepared. I mean, I was prepared enough this time. Like I felt great. And I, yeah. I think once you start writing it, you, you're, I, you're like leveling up, like you're getting, I was getting stronger as yeah. I was writing the second day, Yeah, which I like didn't really train for, but I mean, we put in like, once again, my husband and I, a lot of the time, but like during the week, I didn't do as much there was a lot of rain so that mm -hmm. kind of that held back from like like what you truly could do training wise I did a, I mean we tried to do 
we do bigger rides on Saturday, um, like kind of ramping them up. We always had goals of doing back-to-back big days, which would be helpful, mm-hmm. but I don't think we did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, I, it wasn't because we couldn't do it, but just like, I mean, when you work all week and then you do a big ride, like to us, like Sunday is not the holy day because it's the holy day, but it's like, it's your day to like, just chill because before the work week comes up and like, yeah, there's groceries you need to do. Exactly (laughs) my point. You guys are are live. So I I did way more trainer rides this year than I've ever done. And I don't know. I, I, I want to say like, I ended up having Achilles issues and I want to say the lack of doing like big climbs and big single track and things like that probably like led to just like I didn't have the quite the right kind of strength maybe I mean there's a lot I was gonna I was gonna ask about cross training um strength training yeah all that I did um I I walked every morning like I did a lot of walking Mm -hmm. I like not a huge attempt but like three to four miles every morning and then I do like 10 to 20 minutes of like body weight strength training kind of stuff and then I would do 10 to 30 minutes of yoga. And then I would do like, I, I wake up early and I spend two hours basically in the morning, like doing all these things wow. and then meditate for like 15 to 30 minutes. Um, yeah. Which yeah. all good time in the saddle and yeah. But it's still like, but still no matter what you do, like there's going to, you're not going to be prepared for like some shit that's thrown at you you're not yeah. gonna be prepared for or playing you know oh yeah being underwater yeah like this time like i was i wasn't ready to walk with my bike six miles through foot 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 a foot deep snow, oh, I... snow that is a foot deep like trudging yeah. through snow. snow like there was a huge storm that came through on the single track the night before and it was just unrideable and something that i thought was going to take once again time something that i thought was going to take me an hour maybe to do and that's that's slow like not slow but like say an hour took three hours Oof. Oof. and it wasn't riding my bike it was walking with my bike like and I walked and stuff but I walk like on a road that's smooth and flat and I'm not I did we did do some like pushing our bikes like I practiced pushing my bike up hills like that's because I knew that was on it like I can do that but we, we talked about that too right yeah. maybe you should have gone to the beach and like walked with me if I cleared the sand like maybe this would have been I guess that's that's not a bad idea <laughs> yeah, you know, the, well, the beauty about it is you can prepare so much right. <laughs> all that can go right out the window as soon as yeah. you hit that starting line you just, I mean because you're it's not you're 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 preparing for something that's that is ever changing which is why the ftk of that route to me is an absolute joke because nobody will ever fastest known time thank you yes because nobody will ever have like the same conditions even the route itself changes they change it up all the time and yeah the weather changes the route changes the roads change it is forever changing forever changing to to and I don't want to say wrap this up because there's a, an, an ongoing conversation, but I know you guys need to go home. And um, is when what how, what's left with you when you guys do these routes? Um, when do you pull the plug? You know, when do you say 
as you were mentioning, Dave, you're like, you can push yourself through so much, but when do you have to say, I have to stop? Or, you know, like your friend was like, you medically have taken all the drugs, like you need to stop. Um, when do you, I guess it's a two-part question. Like, when do you, have you had a stop and why? How did that go? And then like, what are the stories in your head now that you have done um, and these these routes? I, I only, I, and I ask that because as I'm listening to you guys, like I'm remembering all the things like feeling, being lost, you know, going through, um, what's that climb that doesn't end on the way back? It's the original route. The Lost Summits. And then you just fall summits and fall yeah. summits and or being on there and just like breaking down, you know, just like before Anza. Yeah. Fuck me like this. I, you know, you, and then, you know, going by people's houses, you're like, uh, I think this is a drug dealer and I better go, or I'm going to, you know, like, you know, just weird things. And, but just having, knowing, knowing you've done that. And you're like, as you were saying, Sammy, like you, you got through that and how that makes you feel. Um, but I know each of you guys have a different story, so I don't know if you guys want to like which part of the question you want to answer about like having to come out or what it means to you. Or I, well, I'll be easy because I have I honestly I've never had to the the times that I've chosen to pull out. Well, this year I augmented it. I was going to finish a loop no matter what. That that was my game plan. I wasn't going to bail out. I was going to make if that if the original route wasn't going to happen i was going to get back to your car get back to my car yeah that was the plan yeah and so that so that was the new goal after after day one and i saw the weather moving in um the only other time that i pulled that was because of work what <laughs> and that's a dumb excuse <laughs> and ever since that year i said i was never going to pull out for work <laughs> like it's like no make it plan stick with it and don't be wishy-washy about it that was a wishy-washy year um so um I've, I've never come across a situation i've come across a situation where yeah i've, I've wanted to pull the plug um that first night in the desert you know the first time i did stagecoach i definitely was not feeling like i wanted to go on um but you know the, the next day is always a new day and, and, and you find something to, to keep going so I, i've never come across a situation where I've I've had to I guess knock on wood to pull out like from injury or anything. Um, never been to that point. I mean, I've been to low points, but you know, I just I just slow down and say like you know finishing in three days is not that big a deal. I'll finish in five days mm -hmm. and you know leave me out there. But yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, like I had to pull out of the stagecoach twice now, two for two. <laughs> but yeah like the first time and they're both I would say physical injury kind of related not kind of absolutely because I mentally I was good like physical as in like fitness wise I I was great like I like each time I've done it I've impressed myself with what fitness I have actually attained and like feel like I could do um yeah the first time like I, I couldn't sit on my bike I like literally like it well I it it hurt to pee I couldn't I couldn't fucking pee <laughs> I couldn't put chamois cream on it like everything burned it burned so bad so I just it, it wasn't it wasn't like a saddle sore like my seat like it was like just full on my vagina was not good 
And so like any guy that thinks that they've been through what like I was going through, like you have not. <laughs> I know, no, I, I'm, not even, I'm not even gonna say it. Yeah. I mean, I might've got funky butt here and there, but I've never, yeah. I, know. I know the first time with Shelly in 2015, and that's the, still a thing that sticks in my mind was that day we met at Henshaw. I gotta have a serious talk with my vagina. <laughs> <laughs> you guys were leaving. I'm like, I'm gonna soak this fucking. Yeah, I did. I don't. Yeah. I don't know that thing. Yeah. So coming out of the desert, I just like there's a like it's a ten is it ten miles of road to Ocotillo. Yeah. Yeah. I, either way. I, yeah. Well, that's to Borrego, but just to Ocotillo. Oh yeah. I and I yeah I just like I I couldn't sit on my bike and so at like that point I was like. I was with Edgar and he was just like you can't like go yeah like I spent the whole second day there's a lot of climbing on that second day I stood up for every climb wow. I like literally out of the saddle like each time and just like it was an absolute like there's still like 75 more hard miles like yeah, it didn't, it didn't make any sense, yeah. right? It's not, yeah, it's not worth it at that point. Like, I don't know what the hell is going on down there. Like, yeah. literally, like, I don't know what's going on. So, uh, yeah, and then the second time I pulled out, it was, it was my Achilles, which apparently a lot of people get. It's a very common... When you have to do a lot of hike-a-bike? So, uh, yeah, so what I, like, this, I, I have so much speculation on what it is, because I yeah. had, like, this outside of my ankle issue from day two. Okay. It was day two, but... But I think it was maybe from like walking through the snow, I did something weird to my knee and then I was descending different. Like, I think just like everything mm -hmm. added up. Like, and that's again, what pulled my friend out. Yeah. Same exact, yeah, same, exact same, same presentation. Yeah. What? And so oh. yeah, it, it started, it just started hurting and hurting. Going The desert was the worst thing that I, I don't get me wrong. I love the desert. Like I absolutely love the desert. It's part of, probably a lot of why I like bikepacking so much because I've, been introduced to the desert and it's so desolate but it's so beautiful and it's awesome but I like I couldn't ride more than I was trying to I was looking at my wahoo and I was like how far can I ride without having to unclip and get off because I'm in too deep of sand and I couldn't ride like half a mile I couldn't ride more than a mile at a time and it just it took forever to get through it was getting hot and like I unclip with the foot that ended up being oh got it that that so, jerking is that yeah. what you're saying yeah so I mean that's what was like aggravating it too like so by the end I walked the last three quarters of a mile out of the desert because wow. I was so tired of getting off my bike I rode to Ocotillo and then I, riding to Borrego I just like the headwind I I there was a point where I literally could not pedal my bike and so I called my husband <laughs> and he was like well like walk so I walked the last like five miles into Borrego with my, which felt better which is weird too because then the day after like it hurt to walk I couldn't even walk but like so what he said and I like I got a hotel room like and I walked too so I literally could have kept going because that's like part of the thing right like if you go out of the race you need to come back in at where you went out so I mean by walking I was still doing the race yeah. Yep. Yeah. So if I, and so I like was going to get, I get, I even, I did give it a go the next morning. I slept, took a shower, <laughs> was like, oh, it's feeling a little bit better. I think it's okay. Was road, tested it on like, I went off road on just like the shoulder and like instant, instant fire. Yeah. And so I like, that's when I was like, I can't, 
as my once again, as my as Edgar said, he said you can't walk 57 miles. <laughs> You're not gonna push your bike 60 miles to the finish. Especially not through the willow. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So and then it's yeah, and it's it's feeling better in a little bit. But my seat felt great. Yeah, I was going to ask you how the hoochie is. Oh, it's good. I I go full no chamois now. That's what I that's what I've yeah. heard that that's another great yeah, option. I have like a kind of a, I mean ergon saddle that's kind of squishy. Maybe it's a little wider than I need it to be, but I wear no chamois and it's great. Mm -hmm. Do you wear no chamois all the time when you ride, or just when you do big backpacking? No, like pack? all the time. Now. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think? Well, never mind. Okay. <laughs> like, why do people? Why do why do we have women? Why do we wear chamois then? I don't. Know. <laughs> I think anatomy varies. You know oh, yeah. where the where things are rubbing and hitting, and how you ride, and your my you banana is not the same as your fishing. <laughs> In other words, <laughs> like fingerprints. <laughs> and I've never had to stop because of anything painful either, which has been really, I feel really lucky about that. But one was logistics would work. And mm. the second time was logistics would work where it was taking way too long. I know. And I, and I was, I have this thing, hope no for my work's listening, but I always say, well, I'll get diarrhea and then I'll call in sick. Like it's a joke. You know, I didn't get diarrhea, but we decided um, we had a storm coming and some other logistics um, for AZT. And that was sort of like, oh my gosh, it's going to take us three more days than we thought. So that is a very common thing with uh, riding your bikes on these routes is they take a little longer than you expect. Yeah. For, for all the and reasons. then the best do this for a living. Right. <laughs> like work is important. <laughs> it's a sucky reason to stop it. It's the reality. Yeah. yeah. So why do you guys keep doing it? Yeah. Stories sound crazy. No, yeah. I, for no, me, no, actually, I'm very old. Every, everything yeah. that we just yeah. yeah, all of that aspect. What's it because the stories are crazy. Every like every time, like you get something weird. You can't make it up, huh? Yeah, like you can't. You can't uh, no, you can't. yeah. Let me I mean, tell you about how my bike got it's stolen. Just being out there, the things that you see, and like, <laughs> the people that you come yeah. across, especially like <laughs> that's why the desert. I love the desert too. I love being in the desert. I love. Um, to live interacting with all this, the spots we stop and it, it's the most colorful people that you see along some of the parts of those routes the people you meet I would the say people you meet what keeps you know, along up. the way you know yeah. you just you have these conversations these off conversations with people they're like what are you doing right you know? like uh like where how much are you like where do you come from yeah. <laughs> I don't know I don't know <laughs> so right. far yeah yeah where are you going I'm like I, I somewhere over there so uh, i'll let's end with this i like to ask each of you guys you can answer it in two different ways what's next like what's something you're going to do or what route are you intrigued by that maybe you'll never do but you're like i've heard of that and that sounds cool so shelly what are you going to do? Or you can answer both if you like both questions. Yeah, I was I was telling Sammy today on our ride, I, I need to get something on the books. I have not um, finished the Bones to Blue route com completely. And that's kind of, I, I lived in Tahoe area for a while and mm -hmm. it's kind of part of my backyard. Um, and so that's my, my that's on the books to complete. Um, they pushed back the it? grand apart. It's a 300 mile probably and 30,000 feet of climbing. It's a big route. It's a difficult route. Um, and what is Grand Depart? What is that? Grand Depart. That's a good question. That's um, the 
route has um, an official kind of start okay and and typically limited to people just because of um just too you know you can't have too many people on the route it means you can win yeah so yeah or, but that's why a lot of oh got it, too, got, right? it, got it got yeah. it yeah or grand depart i mean for me it's the social aspect yeah. and that's kind okay. of what is fun about a grand depart is kind of you're, you're all there you're looking at each other's gear whatever and you all take off at the same time um, but then you could always do the ITT, which is like your independent time trial okay. um, and individual time trial. And you can always go do a route anytime. There's Absolutely, no, no right. rules you have to do yeah. Grand Depart. But they pushed back the Grand Depart from June because there's too much snow. Um, so sometimes that's an issue. Yeah. And then I'd like to go do some things um, either out of the country or definitely out of the state, huh. um, which, you know, bring logistical challenges and like AZT we experience it's a lot it's shuttles to the border it's you know picking up a vehicle especially if you have to pull out it's, it's a lot of logistics but um i'd be willing to do some more logistics and travel with my bike and get something like that going yeah yeah cool cool sammy uh, what's up do you do you have another one coming up or one that you think would no, be nothing planned coming up i have plans to do stagecoach next year with this lady yes ah, you guys have never done it together before a different approach and not like try to kill myself like maybe i mean like the tip team yeah right um that's far off i think the one that intrigues me is smoke and fire mm-hmm. that one's up in idaho mm-hmm. like 400 miles mm-hmm. like forty thousand. Mm-hmm. but i don't have anything in the books there's a I think we're going to go to Idaho and do a trip while we're up, while we're up there. Cool. Um, but a lot of times it's hard. I like for like, cause my husband and I like to go together or maybe we don't like to go together, but like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want him to go. Like I want to go too. <laughs> Kidding. Like, which makes a lot of these things uh, hard. So it's yes. not necessarily logistics, but something in Italy would be super cool. Yeah. Or like out of the country do? would be super cool. They have back. Oh like, yeah. All over the world. You can bike back anywhere, right? Like, well, actually like Kazakhstan looks super cool, but yeah. I don't, know. <laughs> I, don't I don't have anything planned. Um, geez, I didn't have, I didn't even have stagecoach planned until I don't know. It was probably like New Year's day. <laughs> I was like, oh, I should probably sign up for that and do that. I know I'll take some trips. I know I'll probably do some solo adventures um, around locally. Um, I wasn't going to Scotland, but I am going to Scotland in August. Mm-hmm. So I do want to try to do something when I'm over there. I'd really like to hit some of the uh, outer Hebridean islands, um, some of the small um, little islands that you can basically just circumvent and and in the in camp wherever that the beauty about scotland is you can go wherever and and camp wherever and and, and be responsible about it um so yeah i'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that if uh I, I have a certain amount of gear over there so logistically i have to get a little more gear over there um so yeah and i, I kind of want to work that into the grand scheme of things you know later on in life um uh, with the gravel tours in scotland mm-hmm. so might as well do some bike packing as well. <laughs> There's so much opportunity. And every time I go over there, I always see something. I'm always jealous. I'm like, ah. I mean, it's usually like hideous weather and they're like full of Gore-Tex. And, <laughs> you know, and it was like, all right, well, that's an element I haven't really, I've really done yet. I've, I've ridden in rain, but not like Oof. Scotland rain. Eesh, you know? so yeah. It's just, it, it, but that's just a matter of 
it's it's an, an equipment thing. gear so, yeah it's a gear thing mm -hmm. there's, there's no bad weather it's just bad choices mm -hmm. <laughs> yep <laughs> so yeah i don't have anything in the near future plan that I, though i know i will i will get the itch to go do something at some point and strike out and you know go up you know, harrison grade or something like that. <laughs> Well, is there anything uh, that came up that you like wanted to share about a story or an experience or? Um... Well, I would say if, for people listening, you know, sometimes it kind of piques curiosity, but there's so much right out of our doors. All of us pack our bikes up and ride from our house. Um, I, I know that. And um, we've got Coast to Crest Trail, which yep. I've done, you know, maybe seven times. Yeah, Build a few times. Yeah, <laughs> building in you know, um, camping on the beach yeah. and, um, you know, even peeling off and doing some other exploring from the route. And there's just so much to do right out your door. And you can really look at, look at what ride, look, things we commonly ride and yeah. build a little um, something in. Um, so I, I just Good think point. it's kind of a fun. I think that definitely gravel biking has, has opened up a lot of those doors, you know, as far as people creating routes and, you know, and pathways between you know, areas that we right. haven't even thought before. And you're like, well, crap, I can, you know, I, I can do all this stuff on dirt now and, you know, and, and get to somewhere pretty remote right. pretty quick. So, right. Um, there, there's definitely a lot of opportunity just outside locally. Yep. Um, and I, I think people are, 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 are realizing that and there's uh, more groups, you know, um, starting to kind of put rides together geared towards that and, 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 and striking out from there, which is, which is cool. I think it's good. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for your stories and being honest and open. I think that makes it even the quality even more because people want to know what does it really look like? And I'm glad we, we can paint a picture that it's all the good, bad, the ugly and everything in between. So thank you, Shelly, Sammy and, and Ranger Dave for, for your time. Thanks for having us. Thank, yeah, you. thank you. All right. Cheers. Salud. Thank you, guys. I'm going to hit stop record. And well, that was a that was fun. Yeah. Good yeah. stuff, right? Like a guided conversation about, you know, <laughs> something we all like to do. It's pretty cool. And now we know every vagina is different. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like a fingerprint. It's like a fingerprint. <laughs> Hello and welcome back. I hope you guys enjoyed that. It was a lot of fun to talk with all three of them about bikepacking and all the things that they've learned and their own stories um, brought back a lot of good and fun memories. Even though I had a hard bikepacking experience the first time, I did remember a lot of good stories in there as well, um, the highs and, and the lows. Um, I know it's been quite a while since my, my episodes um, and so I was out in England for a couple of weeks. And so although I was hoping to have this one published before I left, um, I was not able to. And now I'm actually back in San Diego catching up and happy to finally get this bikepacking um, off the ground and into your ears. So anyway, just letting you know a little bit about where, where I've been. Um, it was a wonderful time in England. My husband is English. And so we went to travel to visit his family. Um, all his family is still in England and also to explore the Lake District, which is the Northern part of England, where we did a lot of fun hiking. And we were very, very lucky to get perfect 70 degree sunny weather, which is very not normal in that area. So anyway, 
hope to uh, have some more local legends coming up soon and have a great rest of your um, day or your evening. And thank you again for listening.